0: For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com
1: introducing royal caribbean's newest ship icon of the seas the ultimate family vacation the ultimate six slides eight neighborhoods zero compromise vacation the ultimate never done that can't wait to do it vacation the ultimate chillin by a different pool every day of the week vacation this is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas.
2: Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas.
3: Welcome to the fall podcast powered by Latitude Outdoors. Yes, that's right. Powered by Latitude Outdoors. The best mobile mobile gear in the game, in my opinion. It uh, And in DJs, I think, as well. Um, latitude makes the best stuff literally you know if it comes to platforms saddles if you want two panel if you want a single uh ropes you got the the vapor lines you got the 10 mils the carabiners you name it we got it there's new stuff coming out as well that is bad ass so check them out at latitudeoutdoors.com. use the code the fall podcast all one word to save some money and also something new dj and. uh you know, not getting paid to say this, I'm going to be totally honest with you. This is just because two of my really good friends run this company and, uh, I want to help them out because I think they have a technology that is not tapped into yet. And I think it is going to be coming in hard and this is their second year doing it and they're doing a damn good job. So aerial wildlife solutions, two of my really good friends, Lee Vandenbrink and Adam Rock, they, uh, have a company called Aerial Wildlife Solutions, they have a really high-end drone that uh, what they're doing is they go around and anybody that uh, wants a, I'm going to say it wrong, I'm going to say it wrong, it is called an ortho-mosaic, ortho orthomosaic, I'm still trying to learn, map. And basically what that is, is they map out your farm. DJ, if you were to call them, they'd come out and you'd be like, okay, this is the boundary of my farm, this is what I want done. They go in the drone on the remote and then they put waypoints in and they basically hit go. And that drone takes a series of thousands of pictures. And once it is done, and it's basically like a like a farmer, you know, doing a field, plowing a field, back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. And basically when that is done, they take those images and they stitch it to make one high def, really kick ass map. Literally the best looking map in the industry, in my opinion. Um, you've seen mine. I've got mine on the wall. They look really cool on the wall. And I made like a barnwood frame for it and everything. And I put a uh, flat stock on the back so I could put pins on it and everything. They're badass. So if you guys are looking for something like that, give them a call. They will travel as well. Uh, or go to, I got to look at my cheat sheet. It is aerialwildlifesolutions.net. Give them a, give them a holler and have them come out and get yourself a new map because right now is map season Uh, with no foliage on the trees is the best time, you know, for us, there's a lot of snow on the ground. You can do it with snow. Um, I prefer to get it when the snow is off before green up. So it's coming. Just want to let you guys know, give them a call and check them out. So that is my shameless plug, not shameless at all. I really believe in what those guys are doing and it's really cool. So I just want everybody to, to experience it. So anyway, DJ, what's going on, big fella? Not much, buddy. I, uh, you know, I, I want to speak on the the
1: maps real quick is, you know, that, that's such a, to me, like a priceless tool to have, you know, I I've seen the one at your house and if anyone goes over on Instagram and follows them, the one thing that always sticks out to me about their maps is, is the edges, you know, because a lot of times they're making these maps and the leaf covers off and a lot of problems with, like, the online mapping or the, the maps on your phone is you just don't get those those true edges. And this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is an actual, like, to-the-date, basically, picture of your, you know, your farm. Or, and, and it doesn't even, if I'm guessing right, like, it doesn't even matter, like, if you actually own a farm. Like, you could do this on a, a lease... Or a or knock on permission property, or, or heck, dude, if if you really want to try to dissect a piece of public land, and if you willing to you know pay for that high def style map, you could have them come out and do that too. If they do that, you know where it's like yeah that that uh and, and there's something to be said about being able to like walk up to your wall or have it on a coffee table and actually put your hands on it. Like there's mm-hmm. that's how we, that's how we all started doing this. You know, like sure. printing out google earth maps and i'm telling you right now like those maps aren't anything like the one that at least like you have on your wall and, and i think it's cool like you took some like old barn wood and framed it in and and uh you got some magnets on it and it's naturally it like it pulls my attention every time i'm up to your place no matter how many times i looked at it it's like okay maybe maybe i'll look at something a little bit different and also like when you have a buddy over like he may see something different than that right. than what you've been looking at you know but Outside of uh, outside of you know, thinking about maps, that's that's kind of all I can do right now, honestly, because I feel a little bit snowed in. And even though that the snow isn't that terrible right now, the temperatures here in Michigan have been brutal. And with the temperatures <laughs> are the wind, you know, the the wind speeds are higher than our temperatures have been. So when you you know this plus this equals this, it that's what we have. You know, it's it's been right around. I think uh. The other morning because my girls are always you know they hope for a snow day every single day like (laughs) my daughter bailey i don't know like if you ever seen it but like my daughter bailey like she tries to do all the tricks a spoon under the pillow like all everything to have a snow day well the other morning it was like the windshield was knocking on negative 20 you know so they were they were like okay what's it gonna be and it's like You take that, that wind chill with the wind speed, you know, upwards of 20 miles an hour. It's just, it's not enjoyable to be outside at all. And I, I I don't mind like going out and scouting and walking in the snow, but when it's weather like that, it's like, all I can do is sit inside and look at the maps and just kind of,
3: uh, wait to go. But cabin fever is setting in. Is it, is it setting in for you too? Um, it, it is, uh, just for the fact that I have a lot of cameras still out that I need to get to. And honestly, with this much snow as we get on the ground, it's going to take a snowmobile to get to them. Which um, it's supposed to warm up, you know, this week and everything. But which it is kind of warm and we're losing some snow. But I don't think we're going to lose it all. Um, mm-hmm. So and and you know, it seems like all the time it never fails. Like when that snow gets in the timber, like it's it's here to stay. Like it's here to stay for a while. So um, I am getting a little bit of the fever, honestly you know, running the chainsaw, doing a little TSI is like, I'm really got a hankering for doing that right now. Um, on those, I, for me, I'm a sucker for like 25 degree day snow on the ground, but really sunny, like with no wind, mm. like it's, okay. it's an enjoyable day to have like, you know, and it could be even 30, 35, but it doesn't matter. It's that, that sun, it like makes it feel obviously warmer than it is, but Put your car hearts on, you know. Put a put a hoodie on and go out outside and just kind of be outside. And it's it's mm. uh, it's a good feeling. I'll, I'm I'm looking forward to those days, to be honest with you. So, but yeah, yeah, it's, they're uh, coming. They are. They are coming fast. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, hey,
1: I I got a question for you, and I've okay. kind of been uh, I've kind of been sitting on this for you know a week or two. I had. Uh, one of the listeners to the podcast reached out to me. Um, his name is Trey Pritchard. Wait, are you going to put me on sent... the spot right here? I am. I am. And, <laughs> and it, it, this go. isn't a bad question. This isn't <sighs> a bad question, but it's one that uh, when he sent it to me, uh, I'll read the message exactly how we sent it. And I, I was like, I didn't want to answer him because I was like, this is a great question for the podcast and I asked him if it was cool if I use it and he's like yeah absolutely you know. But so here's his message Kay. hey man I, I know you and AB haven't been doing the intro questions to each other much anymore but I'm curious to ask because I haven't heard this perspective and I'd love to hear the opinion of two well respected hunters obviously the topic of poaching has been huge lately not asking you guys dive down a deep rabbit hole of what, of what deer has brought it up in quotation marks, the giant Ohio buck, or anything but in your opinions, has social media and people looking for media attention increased the temptation for guys to poach just to just to be able to post a picture for likes, or is it just more visible now that social media is more mainstream?
3: Hmm. So, so basically, basically to, he's at, okay,
1: go ahead, go ahead, Say,
3: rephrase the question. What he was saying.
1: Basically, what he's asking us is, you know, it kind of feels like every time one of these really, really high-end bucks come out, it feels like there's always a label attached to it afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And usually something wasn't right and something was poached or whatever. Because what he's asking is, do you think that are we seeing that more nowadays just because uh, that social media is make is bring those to light more? Or are we seeing those more days because people are kind of more tempted to probably do the wrong thing because of being able to get on social media and post a picture and get the likes, try to go on a podcast or whatever the, the case may be?
3: Um boy. This is gonna be a rabbit hole, everybody. Just so you know. We're gonna go in <laughs> we're gonna go into this one. Um First of all, Trey, thank you for the kind words. Uh, I don't really feel like I'm that respected or, or, or whatever he said, like that accomplished of a hunter. I feel like I'm still trying to, you know, you know, reach goals every year. And I, I feel like I I'll never make it, to be honest with you. It's an uphill battle, but I appreciate that. Um, All right. To get into. So he's talking about the Alexander buck, right? And all the allegations yeah. around around this Ohio deer, which is, you know. You and I have talked about doing some some um talks about some of these uh these current events, which we're gonna be doing a little bit and like Trey said, uh we haven't been doing these questions in the intros, and i was it was really fun doing them you know last year, and I think we should probably get into them a little bit more, but okay, enough dodging the question so my thoughts are I think it's a little bit of of all the above, but There's a couple things that, um, I think stand out a little bit in a, in a way, I think it is a lot easier now to poach deer. Um, I think it is, it's a double-edged sword though, because a lot of people might be thinking, well, there's cell cams everywhere and, and, uh, you know, you could get caught on camera and everything. And it's like, I get that, but. It's pretty easy to walk through the woods with a with a face mask on and you can get caught on any camera and nobody's going to find out who you are. And you know, and it's pretty easy, like I would think. So, I think I think they make it pretty darn easy to to poach deer, to be honest with you. Um whether they do it under a spotlight, whether they go in on a piece of ground that they have never been on, um, you know, whether it's a, a park or an urban thing, Uh, I think it's made it easier. Now I will say, you know, after, um, who was the Indiana buck? Um, what was his name? Uh, Uh, the typical, the number two typical. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, the Huff, the The Huff Huff, buck. Okay. Yes. The Huff Huff, buck.
3: So he went on after he shot that he went on the, um, meat eater podcast and it got brought up that he was offered a lot of money for that buck. So I think what it boils down to is yes, the media side of things, the social media side of things with the ease of doing it after listening to that podcast. Yeah. I mean, it sounded to me like, cause I did listen to that podcast that they did with that guy, uh, with the Alexander guy. Um, and it sounded like he was in pretty dire straits in life. And like he was mm. looking for, a. You know, he he was looking for a sign, just, you know, looking for a break, to be honest with you. I think he had numerous kids and he's a pretty young guy. And um, so I don't want to make any allegations there, but it looked like he needed a break, you know, some sort of like, gosh, like I just can't get ahead. And I really feel like if in fact, because this is under investigation, so we got to be careful what we say, but if in fact this is true that he poached this deer or shot this where he was not supposed to be. Like, yeah, I feel like hearing that Meteor podcast and how much money can be probably made pretty quick did play a factor into it. If in fact he did do that, you know what I mean? so, um, I just feel like it's, and that kind of goes into like how easy I think it is to, to poach now, because how easy it is to get information, how easy it is to hear that there could be a lot of money around this and with the podcast and with, you know, all sorts of media. Like he literally could have listened to that media to podcast and was like, man, I know where there's a deer at. Like, or if I ever, in fact, did find a deer like that, I know how I could move a, or turn a quick buck, you know, and that deer probably was worth, I don't even know what the going rate is, but I don't know, to the right person, maybe half a million dollars, maybe that's mm-hmm. to somebody that can be life-changing money, you know? So I think that's my kind of, my dissertation on it is just like the ease of it, and how I do agree with them. social media and the and how things are right at our fingertips can can change it, yeah.
1: when I got a question for you when you say like it, it's easier are you like saying that you know through social media and whatnot, like it's easier to locate animals of that caliber nowadays or? I mean I I get the I get the the money part cuz I think that's a that's a great point like it's easy like there was a story to be told and he could have of of heard about the amount of money being paid for a deer of world record type caliber but right, is that what you mean is that they're just they're being located
3: more people may be sharing pictures of
1: them more on social media
3: I think I think it's a culmination of things I think it's the sharing the pictures I think it's honestly mapping apps on X is the Spartan mm, Forges, okay. the hunt stands, the whatever it may be, because before DJ, I mean, you and I've talked about it before is like, you know, you never had uh the layout of the ground at your fingertips. like you had to find a computer if you didn't have one. you had to get Google Earth Earth if you didn't have it. you had to go get a plat book if you didn't have it, and you couldn't zoom in unless you were on Google Earth, and you know, if you see a deer in a field. You can go right on your phone while you're looking at that deer. How can I enter this piece? Where where can I drag it to? Where can somebody pick me up if I do in fact kill this thing? That's easy. You mm-hmm. can do that while watching the deer in the field that you cannot hunt. Um mm-hmm. and then the other thing is too, as the story goes, this kid he shot him out of a climber with a crossbow that wasn't even his. Like he the crossbow, as the story goes, was was lent to him. So yeah, that's, that tells me a guy that it sounds to me like it's a guy that's not a diehard that is just saw a deer, probably as a hunter, just hunts because it's hunting season. Was like, man, yeah, I did listen to that meat eater podcast or I did listen to that form of media and heard that guy talking about how that changed his. Because if you listen to that Huffbuck one, that he's a country music artist that that basically same kind of thing. That changed his country music career. Like, you know, he was trying to make it for a long time and just things weren't clicking. And this buck walks into his life, kills him, and now things are a lot better. And I'm not saying that's wrong. That's, that's really cool that a white tail deer can do that to someone. You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. That's really neat, I think. So like, yeah, I mean, anybody listening to that can be like, yeah, I, I, need, to, I need to find that. You know, and pretty damn easy to find it if you go, because what I, you know, from what I understand is this deer was like somewhat of an urban deer and somewhat mm-hmm. of a, a, by a, by a place that you can't hunt kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be big. It doesn't matter where you go. Yeah. They're going to be big. doesn't matter what state, what city, like you're going to find a big deer in there somewhere.
1: Yeah. I, I love that you brought up the, the, the mapping app stuff because that, that you, you nailed it because that does make things even for us, you know, like just trying to, oh, you see a big deer out and about and you're like, okay, now I know who to go, what door to knock on. And I yeah. know where he probably may live or that's uh, that was a great point. Great point. But yeah. Um, you know, Trey, I, I appreciate you reaching out with the question because when, when I read it, I, I thought it was an absolute great question. And I, I'm in the same boat as Aaron is. I think it's, I think it's both. I think it's honestly the, pers- the perfect formula for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's hard to believe that, I mean, I, I, I can't, how do I say this? I can't believe that people like will actually risk it. Because as much as I would love to believe, I, I, love, I like to believe that everywhere I hunt, there's probably a deer that I don't know about. But yeah. in reality, like in today's world with, with cameras and in the amount of scouting uh, that's gotten popular in, in the mapping apps, man, the, I don't think there's very, there a very slim amount of deer out there that people don't know about. So when they go poach a deer, most likely someone is going to have a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And if they go poach a deer and immediately start telling stories about it, of a deer that caliber it's just it's to me like you they're kind of throwing the the what they're going to get in trouble for to the side for that bit of stardom for a little bit yeah and and i i just think social media just uh, one it allows people to try to get some of that stardom and it the social media is just opening in our our eyes about it more and more you know like I don't even like the real poachers, they don't, they don't care about that stuff. You know, like they would, they would never do that. You know, you, some of those, those old poaching stories you hear of like back in the eighties and nineties of those real high profile poachers, like (laughs) that would be, you don't talk about that stuff, you know, or or now I, I, I literally think that, you know, Trey kind of nailed it, you know, is, is it's social media is bringing it to light and guys are doing it because they want those they want the instant gratification of the likes and the comments and and uh the pictures look at me kind of thing but yeah it's a, i i thought it was an interesting question i i wouldn't have hit you with a bad question but i just thought it was a uh it, it was a good one it's kind of relevant right now with with everything that's going on and and uh you know for everyone listening just don't, don't be a poacher, do the right thing, man. It's exactly. A, and then you don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. And you can come yep. on here and tell us a true, and you can come on here and tell us a true story. For sure.
3: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Great question, Trey. Um. And anybody else out there listening, if you guys have any questions, I think we should do this, you know, this question thing. And we might even make it into an episode as well. Like the Q and A's, we haven't done a Q and A in a while either, but um, I like that. I like that a lot. So Mm-hmm. uh cool. let's move on a little bit here i know we're i know we're we're getting long in this, but honestly, I don't care it's our podcast. I can do whatever I want so um <laughs> um, I do want to say real quick uh today's episode is episode three seventy one you might think we're all over the map, but honestly, it's just kinda just going with the flow baby, just going with the flow mm-hmm. so episode three seventy one today and it's a podcast that i um did with a good friend of mine, Lance Blancy. I grew up with Lance. I've known Lance a very long time. And, uh, he came over to my house and we had a good chat, man. It was awesome. It was, it was really neat. DJ wasn't on this one actually. And, you know, we're not doing a one giant mistake again this week because, uh, I had some things come up, uh, last week, some, some family stuff that I really needed to take care of. And, uh, everything's, everything's getting better now. Um, nothing to be totally worried about. Um, Honestly, it was just a death in the family and, um, there's you know, hard times, but thing is we're, we're coming out of it good and, um, we're going to be stronger for it. And, uh, so yeah, just, we had this one in the bank and I was like, well, we're just going to run this one for now and, and we'll get back to the one giant mistakes here shortly. Uh, that, that's what it is. So, um, do want to hit some things here real quick? Some notes, uh, don't forget about, uh, going to the website, fallpodcast.com check out all the merch we got the chili bucks t-shirts still we got hats uh the the green ones the patches they're really cool we still got a lot of those um hoodies you can get the one that i'm wearing right now um if you're we are filming these again don't know if they'll ever be seen but uh for the most part it's going to be filmed for doing possible tiktok reels or not i mean let's just say social media reels tiktok's the devil but um just reels in general so uh it's the top of line hoodie, and we've got some other T shirts on there as well. So go do that. Like I said, Latitude Outdoors is uh, is a big proponent of what we do, uh, mobile hunting, and there's some new stuff coming out. And it's not like it's a big secret. We were at ATA last week, and you know we launched the stuff there. You know we're coming out with a couple new packs um, and uh, some new saddles, and with the bow hooks. And I had one right here somewhere, but we got two new bow hooks, which were absolutely a big buzz at ATA so they're really cool so we'll be getting to those they're not on the website right now that'll be coming later this summer so just want to say that next helix broadheads you guys if you're looking for helix broadheads or want to try them go to helixbroadheads.com check out the FJ2 or the FJ4 it's a single bevel head fixed blade you can get them anywhere from 100 to like over 200 grains per head. Uh, use the code FALLHX10 to purchase those. That'd really help out and um, go over there and support them. Uh, next, Exodus Outdoor Gear. Use the code. I believe the code still works. I'm not positive with that yet, but you can try it. TF at exodusoutdoorgear.com for 15% off. Check out their new camera. The I got it wrong last one. I said R5, but it's actually the A5, correct? Hmm, correct. Yeah, yeah, it's the A5, the new cell cam. So go check that out. It's pretty neat. Uh ExodusOutdoorgear.com. Garmin, huge one, absolutely giant. Look at the A1, the A1I, or the A1I Pro. I've been getting a lot of questions. Literally, if there's one thing I get the most questions about is the Garmin. When I was at ATA last week, I'm not kidding you, DJ. I got 15 people ask me about the Garmin's. Um really? and one of them was Mr. Paul ranft. Which is going to be a guest again on the podcast. Paul is a legend in the space. We had him on last last year, and he was freaking badass. I love that guy. Um, mm-hmm. But he's like, "I need to get me a garmin, you know for this year." so um, and he was asking me some questions about it. So you can check out the the sites, the reaches, the watches, you know, they have the the C1 chronograph as well. Check those all out. Um, they are very, very neat at garmin.com. Buck Bourbon, TFP20 distiller's knife kit uh got a gear review that i'll be putting up shortly if it's not up already about that knife kit dj and i use them on numerous deer this year love that thing uh the rack house ground blinds we are going to be coming up on turkey season here soon um great way to get a ground blind and and get that out um and use it turkey hunting i did i have been in talks with buck bourbon and um they are coming out with new stuff this year which i don't i can't say yet but it's going to be neat. DJ doesn't even know about it because I literally just talked to him, so it's going to be pretty cool. But they do have food plot seed. They have minerals and attractant as well. If you have a tractor supply by you, they, they sell everything at tractor supply, so go there, check them out, buckbourbon.com. Use the code um, PRIME, G5 PRIME. Man, we did a podcast with them, dropped it last week. Who like? So I got a lot of comments on it. I actually feel like we we, we like swung about eight to 10 different people wanting to shoot primes now after that i'm like let's go let's (laughs) go um and if if anybody's like if anybody's in the area like where if you know where kind of i'm located you can come shoot my bow if you want if you don't want to go to a pro Mm -hmm. shop i will let you come over and shoot my bow you can try out the garmin and everything the abb strings literally come shoot the rvx because you're not going to be disappointed um I don't know, and that's just what I feel about them check them out at g five primecom dot you won't be disappointed lastly what i s like i said the a b b the new launch and launch x series bowstrings at america's best dot com the quality perfection and peace of mind is second to none go there if you need some new strings check them out because um you won't be disappointed man so what do you think did I do good dude you did
1: great i did great <laughs> i i do have a, i do have a question though okay the uh I I know that you you put an order in for some new strings for us. You just got to go see you know Bryant in person there at ATA. Are are you are you happy you went with the color choice or not? Because those colors always look different in person. Okay, what do you what do you think? Yeah.
3: So I got to see some of the colors at like at ATA. They have a new camo color that they're coming out with. They're calling it Trailhead. So it is sick. It is, it is sweet. It and I ordered it. <laughs> it is so sweet. I told Bryant right then. I'm like, put this on the order. So, <laughs> and I think what I did is I did the trailhead camel and the the um serving. I think it was a buckskin. So it's like a tan, and mm-hmm. then or no, was it a tan? I gotta look at the picture, dude, because. It is filthy. I mean, absolutely, just filth, dude. It and that's good, as the kids would say. Slap! It slaps. This thing is gonna slap. Uh, <laughs> so let me see picture. Okay, yeah. So I went trailhead. Oh crap! I'm pretty sure the um, the. Oh, here it is. Okay. I did trailhead and the serving I did green that will match my riser on my RevX. And then the heat shrink I went brown. It is absolutely dirty. Like, I can't wait. (laughs) Like, it just cannot wait. Wait a a second. Are you putting this on your RevX or the RVX? Yes. So I have my RVX, I'm going a little different. I went a little loud. Okay. Okay. I went a little loud. All right. You wouldn't know because you're colorblind, but I went loud. Uh, okay, well, oh, hold on, because for <laughs> a minute, listen,
1: you can talk all the shit you want about being colorblind, uh, but when you started explaining the the new string color, I'm thinking, uh, dude, you got a gray bowl? Like, what what are we doing here? Yeah, but it so, makes sense putting it on the Revex. Yes, that yes. makes sense.
3: So, I screwed up on my Revex last year, and I just ran ran the string. I didn't like the color. It. it I, I shouldn't say I didn't like the color. I didn't like the combo that I did. It wasn't they nothing they did. It was what I did. And I just, when I got it, I'm like, well, and it got, you know, the fall was coming and I just had to go. So I just ran it. And it, like, every time I look at it, I'm like, man, it just doesn't look like how I want it to. So it's a green riser, black limbs. So I, like the serving, I went green for the riser, but then the trailhead camo is like a, um. Let me pick, pull it up again. It's like a. It's like a. It's black and green speckled. And it's got like a little bit of tan in it. It just looks filthy. It looks dirty. And then I'm like, you know what? To, to, to complement the little bit of tan in the string, I'm going to go brown heat shrink. Run it. And I, I think it's going to look absolutely gorgeous. So then. I'm like you know, all my strings in the last five years, I've been going like colors, but very like low profile color. Like if you saw my bow from a distance, you'd probably have to get up pretty close to it. Like, you know, I let Peyton pick my string out in 21 and she went purple and black, which it looks absolutely really cool. Um, you know, and then the year that I shot the Hambino, I went with like a tan ish, yellow ish, kind of like a lower pro, but you wouldn't really, it's not like a flow yellow. Well, back in the day, when I was in college, I was like a loud string guy. Like, I'm doing one solid color, and it's it's going to glow. And um, so I kind of got away from that. Well, this year, with the RVX, you know, it's a gray bow with black mm-hmm. riser. I'm like, man, what would pop on this thing? I went all flow yellow, baby. Not yellow. Sorry. Not yellow. Orange. I went flow orange. It is loud. You can see me coming from a mile away when I'm on the tack course this year. If you could see like a beacon coming, like if you're at a distance (laughs) and you could see a beacon above the trees, that's going to be where AB is at because it is loud. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It looks it looks sick. It really looks cool.
1: Yeah, because you know, for anyone that's you know looking to get a string, and and your local dealer carries you know the America's Best Bow Strings, a lot of times they have the samples there. And the samples, it's, it's always, you know, the, the website builder is awesome. Cause they, you know, they put different color schemes together for you, but being able to see them in person to get a real like true look at what it will be
3: for sure. Yep. So that's it, man. If you guys could go over and we're going to get Brian on the podcast here soon too. He, he killed a good buck this year with his bow in Ohio. He, he was super jacked about that, but also getting him on talk about ABB and Helix a little bit. Cause they are making some changes with Helix. Um, they had some issues they had to address, and boy, they addressed them. So we're going to get them on and, and chat about that. So I guess with that being said, let's let this episode rip, man. What do you say? Let's do it, buddy. All right. Here's the podcast with Lance Blansey. All right. We are, we are hot. We are, in the, we are in the studio. I've got a good friend of mine, Mr. Lance Blansey, with me today. Thank you for
2: coming over. Absolutely. Thanks well,
3: basically me. what you said was, hey, do you want to get coffee? I'm like, yeah, let's do a podcast. And he's like, well, well, and I'm like, no, you're doing a podcast if we're getting coffee. You didn't say it was a video podcast either. <laughs> I didn't. You know, we are. I am videoing it, but you're the guinea pig because uh, um, I'm trying different setups. So I don't even know if anybody will see the video portion of this. It's literally just just going to kind of like still trying to get the studio doctored up the way I want it, the lighting, mm-hmm. all that stuff, the cameras. So we're just running with it. That's what we're doing today. Are you nervous? I can tell you're nervous. Eh,
4: a
2: little bit. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. I don't nervous. like I don't like getting in front of cameras and talking on uh, microphones and Yeah, but you're like hearing my voice. It sounds good though. Thanks. Sultry. Yeah. My dad always <laughs> said I had a face for radio anyways. so Yeah, your dad would. Your
3: dad would. <laughs> so basically today's podcast is is just gonna be a BS session. But the re and the reason why I wanted to bring Lance in is because Lance and I have grown up together. I think we've known each other since what we we're 11, probably mm-hmm. 11, 12, Long probably, time. you know, sixth, seventh grade, somewhere in there. Seventh grade. Yeah. Seventh. Yeah. Yep. And so him and I grew up in different towns, but, uh, the school that we went to is at the time, I don't know if it is or not still, but is the biggest school district in Michigan. Yeah. So like there was like five or six elementary schools, like grade schools that fed one high school. Yeah. You know, I think they said it went into like four county, four or five counties. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. actually Lance and I grew up probably what, 20, 25 minutes from each other, two different counties. You yep. grew up in a different county than I did. And then when, you know, we got into junior high and everything and started playing sports together. And then we'd just been friends ever since yep. started hunting together and some of the turkey hunts and crow hunts we had when we were <laughs> kids, dude. Oh my gosh. What a, what a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. You didn't even know how good it was. Dude, I, I, you know, I got to find that picture of that bird that we killed by the butcher shop with the, I had my bucket hat on and everything. I have it literally in storage when we were moving. Um, we were moving from house to house. We pulled it out and I showed Alyssa, my Alyssa, your wife's name's Alyssa and so is mine. And they're both nurses. And they're both nurses. And, uh, I showed her and she's like, "Oh my god, you guys are two kids." And I'm like, "We were like 16, maybe. You know, I think we could barely drive." Yes. So
2: it was a good shot too. Mm-hmm. Real
3: good shot. I'll never forget, dude. It was like 63 yards or something like yeah. that. Windy and all, get out. Shot him with my 870 Remington. Oh gosh, what a, what awesome. a day. That was awesome. What a day. No, so um, yeah, Lance and I, you know, hunting buddies through high school and. And I'd even, you know, put Jake Borders into that yeah. that category, Jake's. He's been on the podcast. Jake's a good dude. Um, just you know, it's just been a good ride. It and has. now it's like honestly, after you like I went to college and then, you know, you went into the workforce and everything and we kinda like separated in a way. You know, we had our own paths and then it just you know, as the last couple of years we kinda like kind of forged back again. Now we're kinda settled. You have kids, I have a kid you know, family and good roots where we're living and everything. And, and now we're just kind of back talk quite
2: a bit, you know, like we used to.
3: And, Mm -hmm. um, it's been good, man.
2: Yeah. 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 I really, I really enjoy, uh, kind of catching up and and seeing where things have, you know, where they started and where they're at now. And, and, uh, family has a way of, you know, you kind of get plant them roots and they go deep, you know, and for sure, you know, yeah. Unless you're running in the same circle, it's hard to cross out of it. You know? Exactly, you know. And I look at
3: uh, some of my buddies that uh, went to a different high school, and they have like a core group of like five or six friends that they've been buddies ever since they were born. And I'm like, that's 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 an anomaly to come about or come across. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I had like really good friends growing up and everything, and it's just like one thing or another. They we just separate. You know, a lot of them moved off to different states yep. and you know, just kind of different interests now. And it's like, it just is what it is. So there's a couple, you know, you, Jake borders, uh, Aaron Swan, like, you know, there's a few that it's just like ever since high school, junior high, growing up together, like we've still stayed together kind of thing, you know, but I will say we are still relatively live near each other in that a way, helps. and you know, now we're all established and, Kind of can relax a little, a little bit, in a little bit. <laughs> you don't relax, do you?
2: Never. No, no, no. I don't ever like to joke around
3: either. No, so, no, yeah. never. I'll tell you what. So uh, so Lance, he has his own business. So we're going to get into that. But uh, his dad has run a butcher shop for how many, how many years has your dad had the butcher shop?
2: 35. And my grandpa had it before that. Okay. Was it always Ben's butcher shop? Even no, you- it was Dan's processing originally. Okay. And uh, and then, of course, in '86, the year I was born, uh, Dad took over. because you're the old. Shop. You're you're older than me. I know. You are old. <laughs> Holy cow! I just turned 37, buddy. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's all downhill now. I forgot about that. Yeah. Jeez, Opeats. Oh, Pete. Yep. Yeah.
3: So, but Ben's Butcher Shop. It's in Six Lakes, Michigan. They do a great job. Um. So I've used Ben's now, actually, ever since 21. I took that Illinois deer there and then I've taken shoot he might even did the hambino I can't remember you brought it back yeah yep and then he just cut it up i had it all deboned and everything but um your dad has had that for so long and i remember like so this year when i shot i haven't seen your dad in a while few years and uh he your dad is such he's he's a person that like you would never know that you didn't see him in years. You know what I mean? He comes mm-hmm. in, I drop, or you and I come over and drop the deer off and he comes in, he's like, you know, you know, AB, hey what's going on? He's like, is he didn't give me a handshake. He's like, Hey, I'm going to turn around. He spreads, he puts his <laughs> arms like this. He goes, crack my back. And I'm like, good to see you, Ben.
2: Yeah. <laughs> did you get a crack out of him? Oh, I did. Okay.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then he gave me a hug. So yeah. he's such a good dude. He's. You know, in a lot of sense, he's not like a dad figure. He's like another friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's pretty cool. He's a killer.
2: Yes. Big he time. He is. Yeah. He uh
3: he's got a knack for it. Man, he's a big bird hunter too. Yeah, uh,
2: that's what he kills the most of. Yeah. This guy crow hunts like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I mean, he piles them up. That's <laughs> so
3: funny. Now, um, kind of transition into you, like, you know, everybody kinda knows now that we grew up together and everything, but after high school. You went and worked for one of the biggest, if not the biggest taxidermy studio in, in tannery in the world, yeah. like in the world. And it's actually located right next to your house, basically. Yeah. You know, we were pretty fortunate enough to, to have like, it's, you know, the wildlife gallery is known worldwide. So tell me how that experience went. Cause you were there for a while. Like what you know, coming out of school and going into that, like, what was that all about?
2: Well, I knew coming out of high school, I did not want to go to college. I got done with school, and I'm like, "That's good enough for me." Um, had no interest, and so it was like, "Well, was working at the butcher shop." Of course, I started at the butcher shop when whenever I could. I mean, I was skinning deer, golly, when I was you know eight, ten years old. I was skinning yeah. deer, running the kill floor. You know, during deer season, especially. Not all, I mean, beef too, and yep, pigs, beef, like pigs, everything, lamb, everything. Yeah. yeah, the only thing I really don't do is uh, chickens turkeys? Do you guys do turkeys? No, no turkeys. Nope. Don't, Um, don't deal with the poultry. No, that was the first, that was the (laughs) first thing my dad got rid of when my grand when he bought it for my grandpa was the chickens. Okay. He's like, I'll never do another bird again, you know? Really? Yep. He just had nothing. I remember on, this is a little bit gross, but during chicken butcher day when grandpa owned it, I mean, we were running around and finger puppets like you wouldn't believe. Oh gosh. Yeah. Just (laughs) that's normal. You know, that was nothing new, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, So I had to make a decision what I wanted to do, and school was not for me. So coming out of high school, um, I went and saw the owner, Brad Elder. He's a good family friend, and and he uh, gave me a job fresh out of the gate. And I started right in the skinning department, which is skinning, you know, you do skin things off carcass, but it's more prepping hides to be tanned. So it's all the detailed work. It's you know when you shoot a deer and you take it to the butcher shop and they cape it off that you know off the body for you, then you take it to your taxidermist and he skins it off the head and he takes the the frozen hide you know freeze it up, then he sends it to a place like the gallery. Um, <clears throat> well, they will actually turn the lips, nose, eyes, ears, flush them down, salt them, and this is all part of taxidermy, but it's the dirty part of taxidermy. Okay, but before like, what does it mean to turn a hide? So on a deer, you have to turn the lips, the nose, the eyes, and the ears. You have to turn them inside out. Turn them turn the lips flat. Flat. um, And it's, again, it's all part so it can be tanned, and then goes back to the taxidermist to be mounted. So it's it's just prep work that has to take place before your deer can move into the actual tanning process.
3: Okay, so let's go step by step with that process is like when I, when a, let's say a hunter brings in a Cape and it's still on the head. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's just, it's, it's, you know, skinned out to like the back of the head where they, you know, it's got ready for a shoulder mount, but you got to get it off the head. The antlers and offer the. Thing. run me through every step of the way. Okay. So
2: they bring, so you skin them off the head you know you make your y incision on the back of the neck and let's talk about this real quick there is a couple different ways because this is
3: something that's been pretty pretty uh, well I don't want to get into it but there's different ways to like cape a deer out right yeah. so you know there's tubing a deer and then there's y incision yep. with a split down the neck Yep. you know
2: um what is what is like the standard there's not a standard there isn't there is what each taxidermist you know likes better than another you get i've got guys that will do a full incision which means they're cut all the way down the back and they have to stitch them all the way back up then i have other guys that hate that and they do a short incision so basically where the processor takes them down as far as he can where that where that stops that's as far as that incision comes down okay generally okay um You can turn the cape inside out and skin that neck out further, Um, but then that would be your short incision. And then moving up from that point where you go towards the antlers, that's where you can do a T cut, which is from one antler straight across to the Mm. other. You can do a seven cut, which is from one antler to the other, and then on an angle back, or you can do a Y cut, which is what most people do is a Y incision. So you come straight up the backbone, and then you branch off in each direction towards each antler burr. Okay. Now. There's a lot of hair follicles up there. Is it best to like, if people
3: are doing this themselves and learning, is it best to like try to get the hair laid
2: over before you make your cut? So you're not cutting hairs in half. Right. Yep. You want to go from from underneath. You always want to cut from the, basically from the inside out. So you're not cutting any hair. You're cutting under, you're cutting the leather first. And as you cut it, it splits apart and you're not cutting hair. Because not only do you not want to cut hair for... Sewing purposes, you also don't want to cut hair um because it you know dulls your blade for sure, yeah, yeah so it's almost like uh you're almost like gutting a deer when you get yep. that little incision
3: you get the knife under and you just kind of work it up like yep. you're coming from behind underneath okay, so I don't you cape all my deer yep. so I don't i mean you you've caped all my deer the last couple of years, so I haven't really technically I've caped like two deer in my life and you need to teach me more because when I go on a trip where I'm somewhere else, like out of state and I have to get it caped. Like I would like to be able to do it myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So You it's could just, just bring
2: me along and then you wouldn't have to worry about hey, it. You know? Let's get it in the works. I mean you, me and DJ,
0: let's yep. go, you know
3: Okay, so there's a couple different cuts. I didn't know about the 7-cut or the T-cut. I just knew either the Y or tubing it. So yeah.
2: now tell people like what a tube d- cape is. A tube cape is a white tail cape that's going to be a shoulder mount that isn't split all the way out the back. So the taxidermist does not have to have a stitch running from between the shoulders all the way up to the antlers. A short, a short incision is a tube cut cape. Okay, so and the reason for that is so there's a lot less,
3: uh, um, finish work. Like you don't, they don't have to sew things up. The taxidermist at the end.
2: Yes, yes. But a taxidermist still, when he sets the antlers on the form, that's where some guys prefer one of, over the other. When they set the antlers on the form, if it's a tube cape, you have to take the antlers back off, oh, slide yeah. the hide on, put the antlers back on. Where if it's a full incision, they don't have to do that. They can set the antlers, then the cape can go up around. So it's like a double-edged sword then. Yeah. So because
3: you've told me in the past, like for a tube cape, you put the antlers on, you get them positioned where you want. You got to take them back off. Yeah. But don't you have to do like some bondo work or some like, you know, uh, clay work and stuff like that or. Yeah.
2: Yep. They clay everything. I mean, depending on the guy, but they clay the majority of things before the hide ever even goes on. They set the antlers, they measure the distance, you know, from the, from the. Orbital socket up to the antler burr, you know. In some cases, and so it's just again, it's just a matter of preference. What does your taxidermist like? At the end of the day, taxidermists have to stitch. There's no way around it, you know. Whether it's a full incision or not, and a lot of times when guys go out west, mule deer, antelope, they're always full incision. That's just what they are, you know. It's easier to skin them, and you're when you're in the field, it's much easier to skin off a full incision than trying to do a tube, you know, a tube cut you know, with that short incision, unless you can hang them up somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, so I worked with the keepers
3: for a really long time, 10 years or so and and everything like whether it was a moose or an elk or anything like that, we were caping in the field. It was all, it was like you said, it was all split down the back because you got to think, I mean, one year we killed a moose and like weather's rolling in. You got to get shit done. Yeah. We got to, we, you got two knives going and you're like, okay, We just got to get it off the head. We got to get it. We got to get out of here. You like, you have no other choice. And it is, it's way more time consuming when you just do like a Y cut or a tube, you know, when you can split it down the back and that, so I saw them do that for a decade. So that's what I thought was kind of the standard, you know, um, I didn't learn about tubing, you know, until the last couple of years. And then I recently just lost a taxidermist because, well, for one thing, He took way too long, but for another thing, you know, bitching is his forte about everything. So, and I'm okay with saying that because all he does is bitch, bitch, bitch. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you. And when you bitch about doing soul work, in my opinion, that's like you telling me as a video editor, well, you know, I'm bitching about because I have to do audio design or I have to put music in or effects, and it's like, well, that's part of your job title. Yeah.
2: So. You got it. If you're a taxermist, you got to be good with a the needle. There's you know, no way around it. Yeah.
3: So, and I've got a new taxidermist now, which is is a good taxermist, and um, he'll be on here, you know, to talk about it. But Lance is, he he, in my opinion, you started from the floor up, so like you started like doing the shit work to get to like the the sexiness, in opinion, in 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 a
2: sense, is that right? Mm, kind of. Okay. Kind of. So. So I went to the gallery and I worked at the gallery. I did that for 13 years. I ran the skinning department and it went from something small to, I mean, we were doing thousands of hides, you know. I went to Texas a couple of times, skinned on some ranches, you know, we had some, some big hunters go down there. And so I'd go down there and skin anything that they shot, which, you know, sky's the limits in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've been to Alaska. We have a, they have a depot in Alaska where you know, they're taking moose and sheep and goats and anything you can hunt in Alaska, the big bears, yeah um, and did the same thing I was doing here up there. Cause they still have to be, you know, processed and salt dried and then they, you know, ship them back. Um, and so, yeah, I did that for 13 years and, um, it was a good ride. Great place to work, you know, good, good people there. Um, you know, starting right out with Brad. Um, and then, the idea of owning my own business really, you know, was in, was in me. I always wanted to. And um, dad said, Hey, you want to come, you know, take over the butcher shop. And you know, I was pretty familiar with the butcher shop. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So went to the butcher shop um, right before COVID hit. And you talk about, you know, butchering a lot of animals Mm. when COVID hit, everybody was rethinking buying food from the grocery store you know, not only having a couple pounds of burger in the freezer, all that. So there was a lot of people that wanted to start buying from the farmer, going right to the source, buying, you know, a quarter, half of beef right from the farmer. They'd bring it to us live. Of course, we do the killing and everything right there. Um, and then we would process it for them and they'd pick it up. And man, we did a lot of butchering Yeah. over the next two years. And then I just, you know, it was just one of those deals where, Man, I was looking at it and it's like, this is just not, this is just not what I want to do the rest of my life. And, and, um, so I decided to start my own skinning service like I did at the gallery for all those years. I'm like, I'm really good at, you know, the, the dirty part of taxidermy is what it boils down to. Um, and so I started my own skinning service. I work right out of my pole barn, uh, had a walk-in freezer put in and he's got a hell of a setup, everybody from, and I've seen it from
3: you know, the first year you did it. Yeah. It's what you've grown into now and it's like, holy crap, like you've got a full on service. Like you how many chest freezers did you
2: have? I was running that I was running I think eight or nine chest freezers, the big ones. The yes. biggest the biggest I could find.
3: Yeah. They filled a pole barn. Yeah. You know, and you basically ramrodded your your tractor in there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> around these and then you had you know, you had all the salted hides hanging and it's like you knew that it you, you were growing so much where you, you had to like expand. Yeah. You know, so the walk-in freezer is really cool. It's badass. And then he's got a really cool like shaving area and all. It's just, you've really done it. And how many years are you into it now with your own business?
2: This is year number going into year three. Okay. Yep. And dude, I've seen you turn a hide so fast and so good (laughs) and skin it or
3: uh, shave it and everything. Like take us through that process. Like when you get so, well, first of all, you don't do it for just like guys like me. Like, you can't
2: like anybody listening to this can't just bring a hide into you, correct? Technically, they could. I am licensed to take in, right? As but a, you as just a, don't, right? As a, I've got my uh, taxidermy license and I have a like a fur buying license, you know. Um, but it just then you have to have a log book and record all that, and you have have all, all the a lot of bookwork, the DNR tags, all that stuff, and so. I stay right away from that, and I just deal right with a taxidermist. Mm-hmm. So you so you shoot a deer, and uh, you want to have a shoulder mount done. You take it to the processor. They cape it off, send you with the hide and the head, you know, all still intact. You take it to your taxidermist. He skins it off the head. Then he freezes that cape up, and he'll bring me anywhere between, you know, 10 and 50 deer at a time. So that's where the walk-in freezer comes in is that the walk-in freezers is uh, 12 by 20. So it's a big freezer, and I have to be able to take in all of these hides when they're ready to drop off. Yep. How many taxidermists are you working with? I think I probably work with fifteen ish. Okay. Somewhere in there. So they keep you busy. They do. You do a lot of bear, right? A ton of bear. Yep. Would you say that you do more bear than anything else? No, way more whitetail. Really? Yep. Yep. Whitetail by far, then bear, then elk. Yeah. You know, but I'll do everything. Like I, I did a. 13 foot, eight inch alligator, you know. Oh, just, he did? Yeah. Just this summer. That's a giant alligator. That's a big alligator. It takes a lot of time. Where'd that come from? Um, I think the seal on that was Florida. Okay. Yep. All
3: right. So like when you get hides, like you said, like, like a tax is bringing you, it could be 10, it could be 30 hides, right? Yeah. At a time. And then, so like when you bring them in, you do all your process, you check them in. You, I mean, you do have Books is like you know you're pretty or, pretty damn organized with everything so like you're doing it yourself like you have no help right? right you know so
2: you bring everything and then you just start shaving one after another yeah so I pull them out you know I have so many um, pieces I want to get done per day um, so I get them out the day before they thaw overnight and then I work on them the next day so it doesn't matter whether it's a whitetail cape or a life size black bear or a buffalo hide. They get done the next day. Nothing lays over. Um, So they thaw out. I put them on the table. I do the the turning portion, which is prepping the face. Mm -hmm. um, And then like a life-size black bear would be taking the feet out, the tail out, that kind of stuff. Then they go on my my beam uh, flushing board. And you stand there with a draw knife. And you cut and scrape all the meat, fat, all the tissue off of the actual hide of the animal. Mm -hmm. So... Um, once that process is done and depending on the size of the animal, how long that takes, um, then they get laid out and they get salted. Um, they lay out on a salt table and you put the salt to them. And the whole purpose moving forward is to try to dry that hide out. And the better that hide dries, the better it takes the pickle at the tannery. So the next step is to the tannery. So I want nice dry hides. Mm-hmm. So you try it. How many, how many? How many times are you salting one hide? Two times. Two so, times. Yep. Every hide gets two salts. Two salts. yep. Okay. Again, when you salt a hide, like if I skin something today and I put it on my table and salted it, um, within an hour that salt is is already started to work. It's already changing color. It's pulling all the moisture out of the actual hide of the animal. Um, then, so it sits there for twenty four hours ish. Get sh- shook off, get rid of all that wet salt that, you know, the dry salt's now wet, get that all off, put it on the next table, and then resalt it again with okay. fresh salt. We're, how do you dispose of all this stuff? Is it like the
3: salt? Do you, do, you, do you shake it off in a barrel that, like, it just goes, like, how do you do that?
2: So the salt will actually, you shake it off, scoop it, throw it in a barrel. Um, It can go right in the dumpster. The dumpster company will take it along with all the meat scraps and everything. But I actually have a guy that buys deer hides from all over the state, and he takes my old salt and he uses it on deer hides. Oh. But that process he's doing, he's not worried about the hair. He is just worried about the leather. So he uses my old salt to put on deer hides, and then those deer hides end up getting shipped over to... Gosh, China. So he's like a leather man, leather maker kind of. Kind of. He's kind of the middleman between our hides in the United States and going to China. And Michigan actually has the best deer hides in the entire world. Really? Yep. Because we have winter, a good winter. So they get a nice thick hide. Yeah. Um, And we don't have the ticks. So. Yeah. We don't have all the tick damage that we do have ticks, but we don't have what they are like out in the yeah. Midwest.
3: It gets ridiculous.
2: Yeah, in one year I might pull two ticks off me, really in, in the entire year. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's crazy. That you know, one thing that speaking of the ticks, going of sidebar. Uh, one of the deer that I killed, can't remember. I think it was that one right there. Had so many ticks on it. Um, it was froze for a year when they pulled it out. The taxidermist pulled it out. Uh, still had ticks alive on it.
2: No kidding. Yeah.
3: So it's like, that's, they're froze Yeah. and then they just come back. I don't get it. Yep. Ticks are grody.
2: If your freezer's cold enough, it'll kill them. Yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of the hides, unless they come in fresh, I see see ticks every day, but they're dead. Mm -hmm. You see the big ones that have been swelled up, been eating good. And then the other ones that, you know, are hard to find on you. So what, for you, like what, and all the animals you've ever flashed or turned or anything, what's the hardest one? A rabbit. Really? A rabbit. I don't do them. I don't even offer to do them. Really? Yep. They are like- Just because they're so small or- Their skin just falls apart. You can be as gentle as you want. It's like trying to it's like trying to handle a wet tissue. No um, kidding. It's, it's bad. How's a squirrel? Fine. Really? Yep. Yep. But I will say like a lot of times like,
3: you know, rabbit hunting and everything like that, to skin a rabbit, like you could, if it's warm, you can just
2: pull the hydrate right off the, the body. Like yeah. I've seen guys do that. Like it's you don't even need to cut them; you can just rip them. Yeah,
3: that's wild. So I never I'd, would have
2: thought that. So freelance does not do rabbits, just so everybody's clear. <laughs> Going on record and skunks. Oh, I would never touch a skunk. Yeah. Have you ever had? Have you ever had to do one? Yep. Really? Turned out awesome. How'd it smell? When I got him out of the freezer. He was triple bagged and he reeked. My whole freezer stunk. And I'm like, this is not going to be good. So it was the only piece I was doing that day because I didn't want to get any any of that smell in any other hides. So I looked up online and found a a solution where you mix water with Dawn dish soap and peroxide. And it's supposed to neutralize the smell, which I was kind of thinking it really wouldn't. And it did. It worked great. You Uh, just rub it on him? You put the whole... I mean, he was on carcass still, so I had to completely skin him off, and I put the whole thing right in the bucket of water and let him sit for probably 10 minutes, pulled him out, and gave the old sniff test, and it was it was good. I got done and made up another fresh batch, washed him out again, and I saw him after he was tanned and looked beautiful. That's awesome. But I still don't do him. (laughs) Lance is down with the old skunkaroos. Yeah. So... uh
3: you know, that whole process is just wild to me. I remember the first time I walked in there and just seen what you were doing. And now like, I, I'm glad I understand it more. And I don't think a lot of people understand like what you do and like the steps to it, you know, from when you kill a deer and how many hands it touches. Yeah. You know, even if you still work for the gallery, it's no different. Like there's so many people still touching that animal and it's a, it's in a, in a sense, it's kind of like a, um, An assembly line yeah you know because then like today you were dropping hides off to a tannery today so you then take like how many hides do you need to have to before you drop and take a
2: take a tannery run done i'm saying i mean i can drop as many as i want but for me it's usually like probably 75 okay 90 yeah somewhere in there so how
3: does your workflow look like you know You're bringing in so much all the time where it's like everything's at a different stage, I would think, right? You know, like how, I mean, how
2: long are hides drying? Depending on the hide, whitetails dry quick. Okay. Black bears don't dry so quick. They're real greasy. Yep. So they take longer to dry, but my setup works really well. I use fans and dehumidifiers and I can get things to dry rather quick. So when I'm done with a hide, like I just did it today. It might be, you know, two weeks before it leaves my shop as it goes through the resalting and then the actual hanging and drying process.
3: Okay, how and on, on on average,
2: how long does it take a whitetail hide to dry out? I could probably have a whitetail dried in just, you know, probably a probably a week, maybe really? a little bit less. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, with if, that a, and a bear is double that, at least. Probably, probably. Really? More, yeah. Probably more like triple that. You know. Wow. Again, and it all it all stems from when you flush that hide down, getting all of that fat off the hide Mm -hmm. and getting it off allows the salt to penetrate better. Um, and then also dries it out that much faster. Wow. So that's wild. It's quite entailed. And that's why the price of taxidermy has gone up. Guys are like, gosh, my taxidermist is, you know, 800 bucks. Well, the price of tanning goes up, the price of the form goes up, the Mm -hmm. price of eyes go up. Earliners, clay, everything has gone up since COVID. It has just gone through the roof, right? Um, and so it just costs the taxermist that much more to to mount a deer. It's it is it is crazy how much taxermist has gone up, and
3: but like that kind of goes to the point where I was saying, like it touches so many hands, it, it changes so many things, and you know, you charge a service, and even if you were at the gallery, they still charge for that service. You yep. know what I mean? So it's like. I don't know. It's 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 wild, and it's it's really cool to know the process, though. So, um, everybody listening can eat their heart out because I'm the only one that can bring a hide to Lance, just as a normal <laughs> guy. You got to know people, yeah. You know. Well, no, I right. mean, like Lance said, anybody can bring a hide to him, but he just, you know, he just takes them from me. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and I do work for your taxidermist, so yes, Yeah. that helps too. So it goes underneath his account. His My new name. taxidermist. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And. Uh, and then I process them from there. Yeah. But yeah, so there, and the job that I do dealing with the salt, it will just chew through equipment like you wouldn't oh, believe. I bet. So as a taxidermist, when you have a shop full of equipment, um, you, that's something, if you can remove out of your shop, not only the smell, the smell and dude. the look, yeah. um, it just, it's better all around. You know, yeah. I always say you do what you're good at. Let me do what I'm good at. You mm-hmm. know, let me take them apart. You put them back together. You're the artist. I'm not, um, you just spend more time mounting deer. And if you figure it out, it actually for no more deer than a guy than a normal taxidermist does a year. Um, they're somewhat slow compared to me. Again, if anybody was in my position and you've done as many as I have, you'd be that faster, faster, but these guys don't they don't do you know they might do right 50 60 deer a year where i'm doing where i'm doing you know 1200 yeah how many how many deer did you do last year i should have looked at my numbers this morning i think it was somewhere around that 11 1200 white tail capes and then black bear on top of it i think yeah. i did like 300 black bear last year holy cow and i don't even know on the elk wow less than the black bear but
3: so you, does it get old
2: some days yeah. Yesterday was a long day cuz I was doing a Tanner run today and I wanted to finish an order up. So, and come hang out with me. Yep.
3: So, yeah. It's it's got to be
2: refreshing to to be your own boss though. Absolutely. I'm very blessed I get to take my kids to school and pick them up from school. You know, God has made a way for me to be able to do this and spend time with my kids um and my wife that most guys don't get to. Yeah. And Uh, you know, a bonus is that if I want to go out of state and go deer hunting, you know, I don't have to ask anybody, you know, I can, I can go do it, plan it with my family and go do my thing. You know, if I want to work a weekend to have a couple days off, you know, midweek when guys aren't crawling through the woods, that's what I do. Yeah. And you've,
3: you know, you're a lot like me in the sense of like, I get some freedom as well, like working from home, you know, we're doing this podcast right now, but also like hunting freedom. and, And it's really, it's really opened up you, the last couple of years, you've killed some absolute hammers, dude. You've killed some studs with a bow. Michigan hammers. Yeah, that, which is good. I mean, Michigan hammers are good hammers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you put, you've worked your ass off on your on your farms. And, you know, and you've, you know, I don't know. You've impressed me the last couple of years.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. I try.
3: Yeah, because you told me a story a while ago about when we were kids and which you never told me before and you know, before that. And it was about when I
2: brought it, like when I said, I don't know, I told you I shot a deer one day or whatever and showed you a picture. We were at rocket football practice and you're like, dude, I shot this buck. And I'm like thinking, no way did you shoot this, shoot a deer <laughs> and you had the antlers. And so I've checked it out on your dad's tailgate. And I'm like, you shot this. <laughs> you're like, Yeah. Because at this point, I'd never shot a deer. Yeah. I mean, I bow hunted from the time I could. Yeah. But I didn't kill a deer with my bow until I was a junior in high school. Yeah. And it wasn't for lack of trying. It's just the property I was hunting was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, terrible. And back then, we didn't shoot does. Right. You don't shoot does. You shoot bucks only, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you sit and you wait. And I mean, I shot a deer with my gun when I was 14 the first year I could. Mm-hmm. Um, Little fork horn. But the first one with your bow was when you were a junior junior in high school.
3: Yeah. So like, you know, but then it, 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 it didn't, did it get easier for you after that? Like, did it seem like after high school and everything and, and, you know, you're into the gallery and you know, well, you're, you're, you're in your, your professional life, I guess I should say, you're in the workforce, you're, you know, doing your thing. It was hunting. Did it get easier or did it get, harder did it get put on the back burner because you were working so much and and like what it looked like then
2: well the good news is when you work at a place like the gallery everybody's like-minded everybody's doing the same thing the Mm. bad news is you see all the biggest deer i know that comes from across the world yeah yep comes from high fence you know free range deer the biggest deer in the area um so it did get easier you know you just start talk with guys at work and strategize and that kind of stuff but It wasn't only until the last probably eight years, nine years that I really buckled down and I was a big bird hunter too with my dad. Mm -hmm. I mean, we did chase ducks and geese and crows and everything, turkeys, a lot of turkeys. Um, It wasn't until then I started really narrowing down and like, I just love chasing whitetail. It is just the funnest. When did the bug bite you then? Because there's a question that I ask a lot of guests
3: and this was kind of like probably earlier on the podcast, but I've been asked it before too. It's like, when did you become a serious white tail hunter? And I'm like, when I was asked that question first, I'm like, man, I've always been a serious wh-. But, but in reality, when you really think about it, dude, it, it didn't turn on. I always white tail hunted, but it didn't like really turn on for me until about 2008 or nine. Yeah. And It came with like, you know, that's when like trail cams like started coming on too. Mm -hmm. And then like, you felt like you're probably doing a little bit more work, but also I started then was when I actually killed the first, 2008 was when I killed the first buck I actually thought was like a good buck. Like, okay, I just made a big step here. And I did at the time looking, looking back. And then,
2: then that's when the bug hit me. It was just like, boom, here we go. You know, so when was that for you? I would say probably not until about five years ago. And and it was kind of a slow transition again, because of work, you know, I get to the fall and I don't have much time to think mm-hmm. about hunting. I did hunt. I hunted a lot. I was what you call a hope hunter. Yep. Getting any stand I possibly could, you know, and sit yeah. there all night and wonder why the deer come out on the other side of the field. And, um, but it, I've really narrowed it down since I started my own deal, just listening to podcasts and just being a deer nut you know Mm -hmm. and and just nerding out on just every aspect of deer and it's like the more you learn about deer the less you really know about deer it's it's crazy we were talking about that this morning and geez they're just I think that's what's so enjoyable to hunt is that it's not cut and dry every deer is different and Mm -hmm. they keep you on your toes and there's some years that man you just get done and you guys were talking about how good this season was and I had a good season I had fun, but man, it was, it was tough. You know, Tough. I had, uh, two scenarios that, I mean, I wish I could have had them back, you know, <laughs> one of those type of deals, full draw, but you know, you learn from them. You just try to mm-hmm. find those nuggets in there that, you know, what could I do different next time that would have allowed me to, you know, have success. So, yeah. And, and you can't measure success on, um, the deer you kill. I mean, at least I don't.
3: I, yeah, and and I think if you do cuz I think I think everybody gets caught up in that at eventually at some point or it's like man, this year wasn't successful cuz I didn't kill anything. But I think you're looking at it wrong. I think I think you need to look at it like what are the little wins? You know what I mean? So yeah. like it goes back to this year when when DJ and I went out to Kansas and it was like I didn't kill a deer, you know, but I was full draw on three of them. Yep. In bow range. You know just that's a win it is like you know never being able or never really hunting public ground ever never being to that area ever figuring it out on the fly in 10 days and being full draw on three different bucks or whatever and and within bow range like that's a win you know so you got it it does suck you know tag soup yep but at the end of the day it's like you can't mount that win on your wall you can't that's what that's it's not it's not a sexy win right you know what i mean it's not the super bowl it's not the hoist the trophy i get that but like like internally and as a personal thing for you that's the wins you should be measuring yeah absolutely you know and and figuring out like figuring out a piece of property and you know and you know this year you you kicked up a big deer you know on one of your pieces and um you know you called me right after whatever and To me, yeah, sucks in the time, but like that's a win because you wanna know why? You just learned something. That deer just showed his hand to you for next year. Or for you know, that's the way I look at it now, is like instead of saying, Shit, I just blew that opportunity. Yeah. Well, yeah, you did, but did you though? Because he just showed his hand.
2: Yeah. If you walk away not learning something from it, then you don't have you know, you don't get a win. Exactly. But
3: yeah. Let's talk about uh, the deer that you killed last year, which would have been 2022. Okay, I think which
2: was on the food plot, right? Yeah, he wasn't quite on the food plot when I killed him. But at your first saddle buck. Yep. 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 First, set, first saddle buck, and you know that's part of getting bit by the bug and start doing the mobile thing. And yeah, you've you've transitioned like I did. Yeah. Like you're you're almost strictly all mobile now, right? Yeah. 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 To the point where like. My stands from last year—I never went and even checked the straps. I wish I would have. Yeah. Um. Because there's sometimes in the morning when you're like, man, I don't feel like <laughs> going out there and monkeying with all this, and you just want to go climb up a stand. But, um, yeah. So last last year, um, I had a a nice buck on camera. Probably the, he might have. I think he was the biggest buck I had on camera. And it was he a new buck for that year? Or did you know him from previous? I don't know any deer from a previous year. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a deer that I can specifically say I saw that deer last year. I've yet to this point. Sure. I'm hoping. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, this deer, I I do a lot of habitat work at my house and do a lot of food plots. And, and I love doing that. That is, man, I just love doing that. And, every, you know, when season's done, as much as of a bummer it is, it starts habitat season, and I love that. I mean, yeah. I've already went and walked my property, and you know, you're looking at the freshest sign. That's mm-hmm. what you're looking for. Um, so, anyways, I see this buck midsummer um, in one of my small clover plots. I actually snuck down a trail that an access trail that I have. Gosh, I think I was probably 20 yards from him when I saw him, and he saw me, and I'm like, dang, that's a nice deer. So. You know, fast forward, now it's just before um, I have my camera throughout the summer. um, Nothing really definite nailing down the intel. Um, So it's October 1st. um, I went and hunted a different spot. And that morning, I got a picture of this deer on the back of my property and I'm like, oh man, I should have been in that stand. Doggone it, you know. Daylight, daylight photo.
3: Daylight. Yep. Yep. What was he doing? Was he on another food source or what was he? He
2: was transitioning from a food source back to back to betting. And where I thought he was betting, he he wasn't betting. And it wasn't until um I'm gonna gonna tell him myself, I was sitting in church. So that was that was a Sunday morning and I got that picture um and I'm sitting in church and I'm listening to the message. And all of a sudden, I start connecting the dots. Not that I wasn't listening, but I may have went back and listened to that message again since. But so, anyways, I start connecting the dots, and you're it's like, starting to wander. Your brain's starting yeah, to wander in church. Okay. Yep. And uh, so I'm I'm connecting the dots on the, the direction that deer was headed, and I'm like, okay, why is he going that way? Well, that night he's on my food plot, and I'm like, like the big plot, the big plot. Okay, yep. Yep. And I'm like, holy smokes. And, you know, he's a good deer. And I'm just staring at him through binoculars, taking pictures through my binoculars, you know. And, and we had an east wind. And I thought, dang it, I could have, I could have hunted that. I don't have a stand there. Well, now's the time to use my saddle. So the very next night, they were calling for the same exact wind. And I thought, well, good chance he's going to be close to where he was betting. And, and I had figured out that he was betting, um, in a in an area that I really never pictured a mature buck betting and it was probably less than a hundred yards from my house. Yeah. With two dogs and three kids running around the yard. I'd have never guessed that a, that a mature Michigan buck would be betting there. Um but he must have felt safe and so You're uh, saying mature like three, four year old. Did you get him aged? I have not aged him yet, but okay. um that deer was Two hundred five pounds dressed. Yep. So mature for Michigan, at least a three year old, I would say. I would think so. Yeah. So, um, especially early season, you know. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, I make the I make the move, and I got to go way around, and we have a a specific tree on our property. We call it the family tree. It's got five trunks coming out of it, so each kid has their trunk, and then me and Alyssa. So I get to this tree with my saddle, and I'm like, okay, I got to be super quiet. We had a nice breeze, so I had some cover with the sound and. So I start climb, trying to climb up this beech tree. Well, the problem is the tree's too big around to put any strap. I mean, it's a giant tree. So I have to jump up and do a pull-up with my backpack on. Um, I had a rope tied to my bow to pull up. And I get up to the tree, and I got to cross through the center of it. Of course, there's no branches. So I'm trying to, like, wedge my feet in the crotch of these, these big trunks. And I make it about halfway, and I slip, and I fall, and... I luckily stuck my one foot out and caught a, a limb on the other side or else I'd been wedged in that tree. I'd have been stuck. I'd have been calling somebody oh for my help. Gosh! And so now I'm bleeding and you know, my legs throbbing cause I just jarred my, my knee and everything. And <laughs> so I just freeze. I'm in this, I'm in this tree and I just freeze and I'm, and I'm listening to hear the deer run off and I'm like, if he's close, he's going to, he's going to, you know, that's it. So I just wait, I just give it a minute and I probably could have used a second to just, cool off too. Now I'm frustrated. Yeah. And so I end up I end up making it to the other side of the tree and I was probably only six feet off the ground, standing on a limb with my with my saddle on, so I would stand for a little bit and then dangle for a little bit and and because um, you couldn't put a platform on there. Right? Nope. Too big. The tree was too big to get my mm-hmm. platform around. And
3: and you're running a method too, right? Yeah. Latitude method yep, two. Absolutely. The new one with the magnets and yep. everything. Yeah.
2: I love it. So I stand there all night and I'm really thinking like, man, I, I messed this up, you know? And I'm just like, just, just stick to the plan, you know, just stay in the game, keep your mind in the game. And, and I'll be darn at, you know, probably half an hour before dark. He steps out, but he stepped out in a spot. I did not expect where, where I thought, where I had revised, where I thought he was betting. He was not there. He, I expect him to come from a different direction. So I was kind of facing that way. And I heard a stick break and I look, and he's at my 20-yard window, and I'm like, holy He's already at 20 crap. yards. Yeah. So he hits a mock scrape that I have, and he trots by me. He's going uphill right by me. And let me back up. When he's at the scrape, I go to pull back, and my stupid arrow oh, jumps, forgot about jumps this. out of my rest and is now laying. I'm at full draw, and my arrow is laying on my forearm.
3: You know why that was, right? Why? Because you have too much knock pinch. Mm. Uh, so like your d-loop whoever did your bow your d-loop was was knock pinched or you know when you get back to full draw the string angle and everything it just pinches your knock in your arrow and it makes it jump that's oh, why a okay. lot of so a lot of people when the arrow jumps when you get back to full and it like jumps up around but you're getting too much knock pinch
2: good to know so <laughs> i'm not kidding you i'm not laying on your arm <laughs> and i take my mouth and i bite the arrow And I move it over and put it back in my rest. What rest are you shooting? uh, This was a trophy taker drop away.
3: Okay. So it was like
2: open. It was open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it just jumped right out of the, Mm -hmm. so anyways, the deer now, as I'm doing this trots by me at, I don't know, probably four yards right up the hill. And all I remember is he looked like a horse, the way that he just like trotted up the hill well, let's, let's explain too. like this
3: tree. So the food plot that you're hunting is on top of the hill basically. And the yep.
2: tree is on like the side hill. Yeah. Right. So he came from the bottom and he's coming up. Yep. Right. Okay. And I, and it's hard to say because there is other ag. I'm assuming he was sent checking the food plot, making sure it was safe and he was going to hook sure. around. Um, so he gets to the top of the hill. I have to let my bow down. Well, I not set up for this shot, so now I have to do the do the whole move your bow over the trunk of the tree. That so you got to go weak side, weak side, and all my crap is hanging on the weak side of the tree because that's the inside of all these trunks. And I'm like, oh my goodness! So I get my bow moved over, and he's standing at the top of the hill at ten yards, and I pull back and I kind of bring my bow down, and I'm and I'm bumping my backpack, and I'm like, this is just <laughs> this isn't good. <clears throat> I I beat down on him and I shot. And of course, at that distance, did you, you have can't to stop see? him. No, he was still standing. Okay. So from the time I let down to the time I shot was just, I mean, maybe ten seconds. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't see where I hit. Couldn't tell. You know, didn't. How do you react when you when you hit him? Just blew out of there like a yeah you know, like a rocket. I yep. mean, you just took right off and and I thought I heard a crash, but I wasn't sure because it goes up. And then drops down into some low stuff, which is thick. So sometimes, when you think you hear a crash, you just right. second guess everything. So pass through? No, nope, not a not pass, a pass through. through. He was quartering away from me, um, and it's funny because I had I had managed to put the pieces of this puzzle together to the point where I told my cousin, "When you get here tonight, we're gonna go tracking." I told people at church, I'm killing this buck tonight. I I had figured it out. And that was the first time I've ever felt like I'm on to this guy. The only thing that varied from that is his bed location. So the deer ran probably 70 yards, piled up, made it, it was a good shot, you know, and, and uh, my best bow buck to date. Um, and so the next day I'm like, you know, of course I got to figure out where was this deer bedded where I only heard one stick break. And no joke, we found his bed, and he was about 35 yards from the tree that I was in, and if it had been you know, a month later, he'd have picked me out a mile away, but with, with all the leaves still on and everything, and um, there were some chipmunks around the tree, I think all that just kind of went into deadening mm-hmm. the, my fall. You know. So let me ask you this now. Um,
3: with your entry was there any way he could have picked you at all? Like, did if you just kind of slip through quiet enough to where he didn't hear you? And, you know, I guess thinking about it now and how we know how Buck's bad with typically the wind to their back and they're looking, you know, where the wind is blowing.
2: Were you coming in a direction where you would be coming in from behind him? Now looking back at that? No, he would have been, He the wind was from the east. He would have been looking my direction. Okay. So, um... Again, I just, I just snuck down. There was some, there was some thick cover, you know, where he was bedded, and then where I was at, and I just managed to slip in there. And you know, if I did that ten more times, I might have blew him out. Of, you know, right? Nine out of those ten times, it's hard to say. But stick to the plan, you yeah. know. And and even when things go sideways, you know, just that's all I could tell myself is just stick to it. You know, he's got to be here. I didn't didn't hear him run off and. You know, nothing had changed. No pressure had changed. Nobody had been back there, or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. pretty incredible that that deer was bedded that close to the house. And you know, I just think when a deer, you know, I think they get used to the noise around places. I think they get used to um, the car driving into the the, the driveway, car, the kids, the know, dogs. Yep. I think they get used to that, and it's on their terms. You know, he knows he's taking the risk, and he's been safe in that bed in the past, and so. I think that, you know, now if a fresh deer moved into the area, he probably wouldn't be caught, you know, near that close. Yeah.
3: But tell me this, uh, you know, this morning when you came over, we were talking about bucks and the beds and, and, you know, this goes to with, this goes with like a lot of, you know, podcasts or people that you hear from. It's like, you really have to take what you hear and really try to apply it to your situation. Cause everybody's is different. We know that it, it gets said all the time. Um, cause I have a very much different viewpoint than like you, you know, you listen to Don Higgins and like Don Higgins has a very like, you know, he's just like me. He's got a viewpoint from what is worked for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, you know, so like I didn't agree with what he was saying, but that doesn't mean it's right or wrong because I've never really seen that. Now, he says a buck will use the same bed. I've never seen a buck use the same bed. Now, with that being said, that bed right there, that buck was that buck was the most mature deer on in the area that you knew of. It's got to be a good bedding location. Have you had deer use that again?
2: No. Why, why, why do you think so? I don't know, this year I actually put less pressure on our property because I wanted to encourage deer to bed and feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matter of fact, I hunted it one time in the month of October because I wanted those deer to get comfortable um, and not be over pressured because I know they get pressure from the other properties. And so I don't know why, I mean, they use that area like we were talking about, not that specific spot, but they use the area. And I think it's more broad here with our deer is that they're using areas, not necessarily a specific bed, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it amazes us if we if we truly could see how many deer go back to the same bed, the same buck go back to his same bed day in and day out. I, I just don't think it's as cut and dry as everybody makes it,
3: you know? I, I agree with you. And, and that's like, not to like bash on Don Higgins, that's what I'm trying to do, but like you made a good point though. Don is hunting deer that are way older than our deer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he is hunting the older bucks that with, you know, historically people say, you know, that no, really no deer scientifically that as a deer gets older, their core area shrinks. And, you know, they could, you know, for Don hunting a six and seven year old, they could use, but we don't see six and seven year old deer. You know what I mean? And where we're at. Like all it takes is one of your dogs to kind of wander on the edge of the yard and that deer blows out of there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though he is used to the day to day, all it takes is your dog to get a whiff of something, a rodent down in the bottom. Yep. And that's where that deer is at. And that blows him out. And then that just, that debunks the whole situation. Yeah. Like there's so many variables.
2: I got another bit to add to that story. Okay. So that day that I was going out that night, I told, I asked my wife, I, I said, I remember this. I said, hey, don't let the dogs out the back door. Kids on our way home from church, I'm like, kids, you know, we're playing video games all day. Nobody's going outside. Nobody's gonna do anything to screw this up, you know, yeah. and and uh she did let the dogs out the back door. But tell me this though, so it worked. Yeah.
3: But looking at that, would you rather of just let normalcy be normal? Like just like if that deer lives there It's it's kinda hard because like even even you know, some of the properties that I hunt that are close to some houses and everything like that. And you can maybe kind of control, like if it's a relative that lives there, it's like, Hey, like, can you not like, I'm hunting back there tonight. Can no you like, lawn.
2: yeah. Like, yep. but is it like, you know what? Just go through your day. Yeah. Just do you. And I, and I think you'd be okay in most situations, like with the kids, cause they're not just going to go wander the dogs on the other hand like you said they smell a possum down in there and there they go and then boom he's blown out of there and, and you're a hunt shot yeah, yeah yeah and i sit there all night and i never see the deer and i wonder why so i was trying to keep everything and she didn't let the dogs wander off she kept an eye on them, but she had to let them out the back door just to you were hunting when she let him out no no it was before oh, okay. but i just said hey you know we're all gonna just stay quiet and and uh it all shook out and so i was very very happy with that that's interesting
3: so, That's cool that's neat so like after all said and done you know you're having a cold beverage looking at the deer in the back of the truck like reminiscing back on it like when a plan actually a plan doesn't come together like that in the whitetail world all the time right like it's very that's that's a hard thing it's like when a plan did come together and he did exact not exactly but he you know you knew he was in the area you were going after that deer you killed that deer the plan worked how did that make you feel did it make you think differently did it make you want to um duplicate that was it just like oh that was an anomaly like i don't know if that'll happen again like what was your head at it's only a kick
0: a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a
2: run it's only for the fans after all It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well,
2: I really enjoyed it. I enjoy the chess match of deer hunting. I think that's what most guys enjoy. Um, And so it just made me want to try to duplicate that again this year, try to find a deer that I could hone in on The problem is there's just so many variables when you're hunting Mm -hmm. small pieces. I mean, I just, you know, a lot of times you just go to the spot with the right wind. um, Assume he's there unless you get like a a trail cam picture of him and you know, he's there type of thing, or you lay eyes on him and you know, he's in there. Um, A lot of times I think, I think if anything, I over probably overthink it now, Mm -hmm. you know, because like, I want to, I want to do that again. I want to find the buck to chase and right. And guys can do that in these other states. And man, I, you know, I wish we could, I just, just like not seeing, you know, the same deer from one year to the other, you know, and maybe it's because I'm looking at year and a half olds and when they get to two, you know, they just look different. They had a point here or there, Mm -hmm. they're very, you know, very similar. So I wish I could, um, but I just don't. Yeah. You didn't have a buck this year that you had last year? No. No. I thought you did have one. I had a buck that I saw, had a picture of him on camera last year. He could have been one of them, but there was no defying factor that said that's him. Well, that's definitely Because he was an eight point. He was an
3: eight point last year. From two to three, they're eh, they're a lot of the same. You know, it's just a run of the mill Michigan eight pointer, you know, 16, 17 inches wide with seven inch G2s and probably four or five inch G3s and and about three inch brows we just never get like big brows. I feel like
2: I, my property has some pretty good brows. I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised on some of the deer that I've, you know, that I've killed to have good brows. That's like Mm -hmm. one of the best features of them. So, but nothing, nothing to really prove that it's the same deer, you know, not a specific point that does something, you know, just, yeah. So very, they very well could be the same deer. I just, you know, I look at flip from one year to the next and it's like, gosh, I just can't, I just can't make the connection. And I'm not mm-hmm. just going to make it up just because I want it to, you know, I want the storyline. So that's all right. If I see one in the middle of summer and I can, my, I have, I have short stories where these other guys have these chapter books. So, well, and it's, that's
3: tough. Like I talk about it too. I can get a deer, you know, usually one year, but to get them two years, it's tough, but three years is I'll never get a deer three years. Yeah. Like I, I think I have had one that I know of and that Jim Abbott deer right when remember, remember the Jim Abbott deer that early on in the podcast when I started, it was like the first 20 or 30 episodes. I was hunting this deer that I named mm-hmm. Jim Abbott. And, um, that deer was a four year old for the fact that he was always the same. And I've had four years of trail cam pictures yeah. or, or three years. Regardless, I knew I had him for three years of because he always had a
2: weak side, yeah, you know it was just a big spike, and did you notice his home range shrinking as time went dude, on Dude, um, does that not happen till they're five
3: and above? I'll tell you, you know you just you just brought something in my head about no go that I shot this year that we could talk about, but um, you know and Open farm ground has really, really made me think differently. Um, I've got some takes on open farm ground, and uh, it's easy to see the deer. Really hard to get on the deer, you yeah. know. Really hard to get them narrowed in. But um, in my opinion, you got to have the pulse. You got to have the finger on the pulse of open farm ground yeah. a lot to be successful. You really do. Um I don't think you can just kind of hope hunt unless you're in the rut phases. Right. You know that can anything can happen then, but um if you want to kill a deer outside the rut, uh you can't just hope hunt um unless you're hunting you know a manicured food plot or you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Unless, so there are there are you know stages to it, but like I really think you have to have a finger on the pulse, but as far as that deer's home range, you know, I would say You know, he ran two square miles that I knew of, you know, so it's like, I mean, it's a lot.
2: There's a lot of trees to go by in two miles.
3: And it's really hard to like, I'm sure he went farther than that. Yeah. You know, but from where I seen him in all the sightings and everything, I will say from when I thought he was four, the year that I shot him from three, he did move and he did hang out more in, in one square mile than I didn't get him as much in the other square mile, so yeah. you know, from my sightings, yeah, he did shrink a little bit,. Yep. Um, so no go, you know, I got the age back on him, and he came back at four and a half, okay, from deer age. That's a lot of people ask what age service I use, and I use the the um the the website, Deer Age. It's uh the cementum aging. they take the teeth. you got to take the two front incisors out. And then, uh, they cut the tooth down, and then they count the rings in it, and then that gives the deer's age. That's in a nutshell. um, so he came back at four and a half, and I thought he was two and a half. that's why his name was no go um i've I watched him last year, I figured um, and then this year, and dude, he was not to say he didn't go out of this area, but dude, I saw him a lot in about. Um, let's just say 40 to
2: 60 acres, a Dang. lot, a lot. Like, Did you see him last year on hoof? Yeah, I did. Did he look small to you last year? <sighs> you know, it's it, 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 <sighs> I always say, like, don't judge a
3: deer's age by his antlers. Yeah. I mean, last year his antlers were a year and a half old deer. Like, yeah. that's why I thought he was two this year. So he never really, to me, he just... He didn't stand out from the herd, Yeah, you know, because... He didn't look like a three-year-old. I don't know. He looked like a buck. Like, you know, (laughs) you look and there's, like, does and bucks. Like, if there was no antlers on him, you're like, oh, that's a buck. You know, you could just tell how boxy he is and everything. But, like, so, like, late season after after season was over in January, February, I watched him. He held his antlers for a long time. We had uh, some winter wheat. The neighbors had some winter wheat, and he was in it every yeah. night. And I hunted for his antlers, never found them. Um, but, dude, he was, he was regular. Yeah. Regular. I mean, I, I, I probably physically saw that deer with, you know, in season. How many encounters did I have in season? Two. I think two. Two different, like, distance. Like, I saw him at a distance. Like, yeah. nothing close. And then after that, I probably saw him, I probably got 50 videos on my, through my phone scope of that deer. And then coming into this year, uh, I just actually found the trail cam pictures. I have a a summer location that's got like a mock scrape and everything on it that all the bucks hit. And he was the first buck I got on camera when I put cameras out this year. And you, you know, he's just bulbed out, you know, he just, it was in July. I want to say it was like July like end of July or something, or I can't remember. I have to look, but it's a video. And he's like right in front of the camera, you That's know, cool. and um, you could tell it was him. And then, you know, I was, I was, uh, I think it was in Kansas actually, like maybe laying in bed, trying to go to bed or whatever. And I'm thumbing through videos and I come across, I didn't realize how many velvet videos I had of him this year. Like I've got, I, I've seen this deer over a hundred times in my eyes, That's cool. my naked eyes. So. The storyline. It is cool. And, and, you know, like I said, he didn't, you know, if he has four, he, like I said, he didn't leave 40 to 60
2: acres much. Yeah. Even, even from the year before, actually, he's just pretty condensed. Yep. You know? And again, you know, I think deer have different habits. Some guys like to hang close to home and other Mm -hmm. ones just, man, they just hit the trail. and Yeah. So. Boy, I got some deer that made it through this year though. That's exciting.
3: Yeah, it is, and ah, uh, oh, they're gonna be good deer. Ask me if I do. Do you have any deer?
2: No, <laughs> no. <laughs> they're all dead. What about the one that you kicked up? Did he okay, die? I got one. No, he he's still good. Yeah, unless somebody killed him with a bow, which I highly doubt. So you haven't. When's the last time you confirmed that he was alive? The day I kicked him up. Yeah. No, I had, no, I got a picture of him. Um, gosh, it'd been right at right at Christmas. Yeah
3: yeah so he didn't you don't oh he did make it through muzzleloader season yeah
2: he did matter of fact the day i jumped him muzzleloader closed and of course in these counties you can use whatever firearm you want i was going doe hunting so i had my seven mag (laughs) and he jumped up and i had my seven mag you know it was a day after muzzleloader it's like oh oh, man one of the times you're like you probably could have hit him because he was running straight away from you Mm -hmm. so a little Mm -hmm. bit easier to hit a running deer when they're going straight away and but anyways, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So what's your plan is going into 2024 to change,
3: you know, is it farm related? Is it like, you know, stand locations or setting up different areas? Cause I, you don't just hunt at your house. You have other properties and you have out of state stuff that you do as well. So like, what's yeah. your plan? What would be a goal for
2: you for 2024? So big change in my, in my, you know, bow hunting, um, my wife has shot a couple deer with her bow, and I bought her a new bow for Christmas.
3: Oh, I forgot to ask you about that. Yeah, it was how, great. how was Christmas? It was awesome. She
2: had no idea about the bow. No clue. That's awesome. No clue. And you have got... the video? Did no. You... I did. no you didn't video it? No, because I figured if I was videoing, she knew something was up. Because I just put... don't video. Yeah, just put it in the corner. I should have. I really should have. We talked before face, Christmas, and you were going to do that. Priceless. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Her face was priceless, and my son's face was priceless. So, We bought my son a bow and while we were picking out his bow, she saw this one and so she shot it and I made you know, I'm like, Well, we should get it, you know? She's like, No, that's okay, I'll get my old bow out and she wanted to start shooting some more and so little did she know, I went back down and I bought that bow and then she went down a few weeks later and the bow was gone and I had worked it out with the the bow tech guy there and I said, Just say somebody else came in and bought it and so she was pretty heartbroken so then she He's wrapped such an ass she wrapped <laughs> Bodie's bow, and when when he what so she wrapped it put underneath under the tree, um I convinced her to wrap it early and so when she was at work, I slid his bow out of the wrapping and put her bow in so when he opened his bow, it was hers, and so so she's standing in the background and she's smiling, you know, just so happy we got him this bow. And he and pulls, she didn't realize that it was. No. And they're completely different colors, you know. And, and uh, he pulls it out and her face went from happy to just like this puzzled look. And, you know, then she just, you know, erupted. And, and then here, so then here Bodia is standing there thinking like, so I don't have a bow, you know. <laughs> I'm like, no, buddy, it's downstairs. Let's go get it, you know. And so it worked out awesome.
3: So I didn't tell you about my surprise for my Alyssa. So I bought her a new gun for Christmas. Yep. Case because she's a lefty and she's always ever shot whether it was her dad's or my guns all righties. And I didn't realize it. I mean, it's a big difference a lefty shooting a righty gun. And yeah. then if you guys had listened to the podcast with my father in law, um, three sixty three, I think it was, my my wife was trying to shoot that buck before he did. He was giving her the opportunity. But she was shooting my right-handed 270 as a lefty, and Ouch. she just she just couldn't get him in the scope. she couldn't, and it was just not a good situation. And It was a
2: pretty good distance, too, right? Yeah, it yeah. was a
3: good distance. But I'm like, you know what? That's my fault, because this happened before, too, back in like 2015. She was hunting here opening day in a rifle, and I was off working in Missouri, and I get this phone call, and she's shooting my seven millimeter 08. It's right-handed. And she's in the blind by herself. Like she knows deer. And she's like, Aaron, this deer is like one thirty plus. Like she's, you know, she's seen a lot of deer and she knows. So I get this phone call. It's like mid morning opening day of rifle season. I'm in Missouri and she's freaking out. She's like, Aaron, there's a big deer in front of me and the gun won't go off. The gun won't go. And I'm like, okay, like what's she's like, he's just standing there and I got to be quiet. You know, she's trying to be quiet. And I'm like, She's like, I'm pulling the trigger, but it will not go off. And I'm like, okay, all you got to do, put the gun up there, keep me on the phone, put you know, keep me on the phone. I want to hear what's going on. I said, get the gun up there, and I said, just squeeze it, just jerk it. You know, he's at like 40 yards. Oh, geez. like, you know, and she's hunting a field edge, so he's in the field, so it's not like he's not going to go anywhere. You know, I said, and I said, just jerk it, just go. You know, and she's like won't go off and I'm like okay maybe I'm thinking like maybe she didn't rack a shell in yeah so I said okay this is what I want you to do but you got to do it quick okay so when I tell you I said I want you to take that bolt I want you to jam it back eject the shell ram it forward because a lot of times if you don't ram them forward sometimes like you yep. know you know maybe didn't seat right or whatever I want you to ram it forward it's going to be loud lock it down get on him and shoot them okay so I'm like okay go do it keep me on the phone and all I hear is click 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 you know, like the bolt going back, she gets up. She's like, it won't go off. The gun will not go off. And I'm like, and then the deer ran off. Oh, And I'm like, so, and she was bawling. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. That is my fault because we didn't spend enough time on the gun. That was a savage trigger. You know how it's got the trigger? Oh, you can, yeah. I I don't like it. So I never set the trigger. So what I do is it's got two triggers. So I, when I shoot it, I pull that trigger until I get to the real trigger, and then I start squeezing. She didn't know that, I don't think. And she's just moving a trigger, and it's not going off.
2: Oh, she was actually moving the trigger. Ah, yes. I gotcha.
3: So like, I hate that yeah. for that reason. And it's my fault, because we didn't spend enough time on the gun. So I'm like, then it happens this year on another big deer, yep. and I'm like, nope, done. I'm going to, and I didn't tell her, but I'm like, I'm going to buy you a gun, a lefty Putting really good glass on it, it's gonna be your gun. We're gonna spend time at the range, you know. You're gonna know this gun through and through. So like, anything goes wrong, you know, you know how to fix it. Yeah. So, um. But anyway, so it was the day before Christmas. Like, I knew where the gun was at. It was at a local bait shop and or you know gun shop and whatnot. And I knew it was there, and I just had to go pick it up. So she had to, uh she had to wrap Peyton's presents. So basically it was either the morning before Christmas or the, or I think it was the day before Christmas Eve or whatever. It's like two days before Christmas. She's like, do you think you could take Peyton and kind of go do something? I'm like, yeah, like what, you know, sure. No, it was the morning before Christmas. That's what it was. So I'm like, Peyton, let's go, let's go have a dad, dad, daughter day, you know? So we had to go do some running in town or whatnot. And we get in the truck and I'm like, Peyton, We're going to buy mom a gift. And she's like, oh, what are we getting?" And I said, we're going to the bait shop so we can get her a gun. And she's like, just lights up. She's like, really? Let's go. You know, so we go in there and I pick it up and then I don't wrap gifts. So uh, I called her mom and I'm like, if I come by, we wrap the gift or whatever. So her and Peyton wrap the gift together. And and, uh, so then my idea was I was just going to leave it in the truck. And then, you know, Christmas morning. Peyton's going to do her gifts. And then I'm just going to go get the gift and like give it to her. So Peyton and I get the gun. We go into town. We do some running. We had to like the lions were playing that day. So we wanted to get some lions, like t-shirts and stuff like that. It was just like, let's go have a day. So we get back home and I'm down in my office kind of doing some work. It was like a, I think it was a Saturday or Sunday. One of the, one of the days. Um, and Peyton's upstairs, and uh, I'm sitting here on the computer, and all of a sudden my wife comes down. Alyssa comes down. She Where's goes, "Where's the gun?" At this point, it's in the truck. Okay, wrapped in a gun box. Yeah. Okay. So Alyssa comes down. And she sits where you're sitting, and she goes, "So, what's in your truck?" And I'm like, "What Uh-oh. do you mean?" Like now nah, I'm trying to play dumb, you know? Like, what do you mean? She goes, "Well." You know, Peyton just took me out there to the truck, and I'm like, "That little shit," <laughs> and I'm like, "Peyton, come here," you know. And she's like, "I said, why did you go out to the truck?" Well, we left uh, one of my toys in there, so one, of, and she won't go get it by herself. So they open the door, and there's the gun. Yeah, and Alyssa, pretty obvious, it's a gun. Oh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And Alyssa's like, "Why did you buy that for me?" And I'm like, "Let's let's not," you know, because we don't do gifts for each other. Yeah. and I'm just like. That I don't expect a gift at all. I just wanted to do it for you because, you know, two instances has been my fault and I need to make it better. You yeah. know, so that was the. That's that was, awesome. That was I the story.
2: It. You never tell your kids what you're getting. You're, yeah, I didn't but, tell. I didn't breathe a word to my kids. I wanted to tell them so bad. Yeah. But yeah. I well, there. I learned my lesson now. Yeah. So. Yep. Make no. sure to clean out your truck.
3: Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna get a nice loophole scope. So I got her a uh, uh, Savage uh six five creedmoor a left-handed one Nice. um i just wanted a low recoil flat fast shooting gun yep and one that like you can get ammo for like six five you can get ammo for those a lot no trigger, and it's all synthetic no no bells or whistles it's like you know i'm not a big gun guy as far as like i want the most gorgeous beautiful looking gun like just give me a gun yeah like I shot a lot of lot of deer with a semi auto thirty yeah. out six. you know. So
2: thirty out six kill a lot of deer. Oh dude. Yeah. Pete's.
3: So that's my Christmas story, but yeah. Anyway. Appreciate it coming on today.
2: Yeah. What's your plan for next year?
3: Um, as of, right, yeah, as of right now, um definitely have some stories with deer on the properties that I have here in Michigan. Um My biggest goal is to try to acquire some new properties. Yeah. Like really get outside my box and, and go ask for permission. And I'd even get a lease. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd pay for a property just because I want to, I want to cast my, the more and more I get into it, the more and more I want my own property. Like I don't want to, or I want to hunt with people that I am like we hunt the same. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? So, um, Hats off to you, you public land hunters. I mean, I did it one time and- I wouldn't call myself a public land hunter, (laughs) but it is. Everybody else then. Yeah. But you put all that time and effort into it, unless you like to go out of state and hunt public land, you you know, you spend the time away Mm -hmm. from your family, drive down there get an Airbnb or a hotel. You know, you get up early, you go and do that. You buy the non-resident tag and then to have a guy walk by you underneath you, whatever, just there's too many things- that can, that are up for chance. That's where, so like this spring, my cousin and I, we went, shout out Daniel, we went down to Kentucky and we just took a weekend and went down there and knocked on doors. We're like, Mm -hmm. we're just going to go down there and just literally put our finger on a map, on the map and just knock on doors and ask. And we were told no, you know, very nicely, most for the most part by a ton of people. I mean, and it's like, we just take turns, pull up to this house, your turn, get out and go knock. You know, you're looking at Onyx and And you're knocking on doors and we had one farmer that said, you know, I tell everybody no, but I don't see what it would hurt to let you boys come down here and do some bow hunting. And, um, we hunted that this year, went down there twice and full draw on a beautiful buck, you know, just couldn't quite connect. And, and, um, so it's possible, you know, but it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to get permission and, and it, you know, you come from, uh, you know, go out of state and you start knocking on people's doors and you just don't know how people are going to react to right. that. You know, you're from yeah. where? Yeah. Why are you here at my, on my front porch, you know, and had one lady who had a, who told me, you know, well, I'm, I'm carrying, I'm like, you know, that's awesome. I think it's great. And I would tell my wife to do the same thing. Had another one we pulled in and pretty sure it was an illegal chicken fighting operation. I mean, there were really? barrels of chickens everywhere and like, the low rider vehicles out there i'm like time to put her in reverse and get out of here you know stop down the road and the neighbors are like yeah you don't want to go back there they're up to no good you know like jeez oh pete that was kind of close yeah and uh but anyways i mean the worst they could tell you is no get off my porch Mm -hmm. and that's how you have to go into it and i don't mind i don't mind talking to people strangers um you just don't know right so
3: my my main goal for next year is it's a really good chance I'm going to pull Iowa again yeah. so I'm going to go back to the 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 Hambino stomping grounds and uh, try to get after another deer in Iowa if I do draw Iowa that'll it'll be Michigan and Iowa and honestly I'll probably put more time into Iowa I'll probably make a couple trips you know and I'll do some I'll do some off-season trips like scouting and and yep. stuff like that and I'm lucky to have Chad my buddy out there that like the farms that I will be hunting are private so like we could put in food yep. and stuff like that. And I'd like to go out and help them do that and just, you know, so I just got to draw first. If I don't draw, um, I'm not going to disclose the state at all. I'm kind of done doing that. If I'm going to hunt public, I'm done, yep, done doing that. So there are a couple pieces in a, in, in a state that, uh, I'm going to DJ and I are already going to go and look at, like yep. we've already e-scouted the hell out of it. And, uh, this spring we're going to go and make a weekend trip of it and scout it and everything like that. So that is, that'll be like the, the plan B as of right now, shit always changes, you know? So, um, and honestly, I've got a few deer that made it through here. Um, so like that, that'll be priority number one as well, just because I can, you know, close to home. I mean, I'm, I acquired another piece of property already for next year, which is great um sorry to have that in the books yep and then i'd like to get another one and then uh you know putting those together and stuff like that and i like to do food plots too you yep. know what i mean and and try to do all that so we'll see there's a lot on the table but if i if i draw iowa that's the main goal yeah so we'll see i'd love to go to iowa and Just the reason to... why i'm saying Iowa is because you know nobody can poach that from me because that's i got <laughs> yeah. a pretty good deal there yeah
2: so nobody's walking in on you I'd like to go to Iowa just like during velvet season and just, you know, drive around at dusk and just check out some of these giants. I mean, it's crazy. be like, no way that, Mm -hmm.
3: that'd be cool. Maybe when I, if I draw and I go out there, you should go out there with me in the summer
2: for a weekend and that'd be cool. Dude, it's, it's a different world. I bet it is. You hear stories, but yeah, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to check it out and just see, then start putting in my own points, but you got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That helps. Yeah, for just sure. Go out there without points. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> no.
3: Well, cool, man. Let's uh cut this loose. I appreciate you doing that. Was it? It wasn't too bad for your first time, right?
2: No, it was actually pretty easy. Yeah,
3: y'all have to have you on more. Maybe we'll do the the lances minute, the freelance's minute. There about, we go. Uh,
2: texture, me and skinning, and and all that stuff. What not to do when you're caping out your deer, dude. Yeah, we got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one last thing to add. Um, I want to name drop. Oh, whenever God. you, whenever you hear your name, I was listening to one of your podcasts and you are okay. like, said something about like, uh, yeah, my buddy Lance, I'm like, eh, hey, I'm on his podcast, you know? <laughs> and so I was like thinking, it's like, Danny was number one. You know, my, I told my kids this morning, I'm like, I'm gonna go do a podcast. They're like, tell them we said hi. Okay. <laughs> B- Bodie, Ellen Harper, all they're like, tell them we said hi. I'm like, who am I going to tell that you said hi? Yeah. They're like, you know, the people I'm like, all right. So there you go. Shout out to the kids. There you go, kids.
3: Yeah. So, well, good deal. Yeah. Um. Like I said, I mean, it was, it's cool that you could come on and do that anytime, anytime I can have more people in here and that's the goal. Like I want to get more of my friends on because they have just as good of stories as the, you know, guys from other States and everything. And I love doing them here in the studio and like, it's just, it's just a way better experience, Yep. you know? So, well, cool, man. Let's cut her loose. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks guys.